So if you could be here around nine, that would be great. Okay. Well, listen here. Hello, I'm Miss H, and today Mr. Uh, o and I will be discussing the season five, episode five of Love After Lockup. On this episode, Andy hovers around an uncomfortable Brittany, Melissa and Louie take a dancing lesson, Chelsea and Mikey make plans to move out of state, Renika has her private investigator talk his way into finding out where Asante is, Brittany and Kirok get caught in the rain, and Joy visits Red's family. If you like what you hear, please give us a rating, and if you watch 90 Day Fiancé, check out our other podcast channel, 90 Day MK, Teachable Moments with Miss H and Mr. O. Thanks and enjoy. Hello, Miss H. Hello, Mr. O. How are things with you? Uh, things are going okay. Yeah, nothing new to report. Yeah, I know. It's like we, I feel like we got done with the summer where we do all these all these new things and we're going here, I'm going there, and then we now we're in the now we're in the doldrums of just like, yep. Just, well, it's just starting doing. to get festive. Yeah, like uh, <laughs> Halloween celebrations. I feel like start this weekend. So yeah. So if, if you haven't get don't have your costume figured out yet, you're kind of screwed. Yeah. Figure it out early. Uh, but, you know, these are all off track. So I kind of feel like um, it's in the spring or summer for almost everyone. Oh, right? the, on, for these episodes? Yeah. That so, seems about right. Yeah. Right. So speaking of uh, weather, uh, let's talk to <laughs> yeah. Brittany. Uh-huh. So Brittany has taken uh, him to the wrong probation officer. She says, based on information Key Rock's mom gave her, Key Rock is freaking out about getting to the office before they close. He's telling Brittany to both get there faster, but then also to drive the speed limit. He's getting very nervous about her driving and being a backseat driver this whole time. Key Rock is clearly irritated and just needling Brittany as she gets him there 10 minutes before they're supposed to close. He makes it there on time, but the office lost power because of the storm. When Key Rock gets done, it's pouring down rain and he calls Brittany to help him with an umbrella. So Brittany screams as she hops out of the car in her super high heels and walks across a flooded sidewalk to go get to Key Rock. Key Rock carries Brittany through the rain with his slides uh, Key Rock mentions that he's on paper and can't leave the state for a very long time, but the good news is that he isn't getting violated and he can live with Brittany. Later, Key Rock and Brittany meet with Key Rock's prison mom's wife, Coffee, or Cough Drop. Cough Drop has done time for drugs years ago, and Key Rock sees Cough Drop as a mentor, even though they had never met in person before. Key Rock tells Cough Drop he is focused on continuing his gospel rap and he wants to get chest surgery. Cough Drop says that he's not big, so he just needs to work out more. Key Rock says that Cough Drop is old school and it kind of looks like Cough Drop is also trans to some mm-hmm. extent. Uh, and stro- he struggles with insecurities. Brittany talks about how her family has not been accepting of the fact that Key Rock is transgender. She says that she thought the same way as her family because that's how she grew up, and she thinks that her family's beliefs are cultural. She hopes that her family will come around, especially her mom, who has been more resistant. Key Rock says that think that kind of thinking is wrong, and he said that his dad was actually anti-gay. Key Rock told his dad he was gay when he was 13, and his dad kicked him out of the house. Key Rock says he wants people to see his spirit and not his flesh. Key Rock leans on his belief in God to help him get past the hate. Cough Drop says things are different now and everybody wants to be gay. Later, Key Rock and Brittany get ice cream together and talk about getting a dog, and then they talk about the chest surgery. 
Brittany understands that Kirok feels uncomfortable in his own body, and she, you know, mm-hmm. compares it to wanting to get a Brazilian butt lift. Kirok then gets upset and says a cosmetic procedure is not the same as a transition procedure. Brittany relents and says that she can't understand his position specifically, but she goes through the same thoughts of being unhappy about her body. They don't know much how much either of these procedures are going to cost, but Brittany says that they have to save money for IVF because it's expensive. And Kirok doesn't really want to talk about kids. Brittany says this is something they're going to have to plan for because, you know, they're not a typical couple and they can't just get pregnant without any medical assistance. Kirok says that he spoke too soon about wanting to have kids. He emphasized that, you know, if they were going to have kids, that it's in the future. But now that they have consulted with the doctor, he learned more about what's going on and it has him doubting. Brittany says that they can get a sperm donor for her then, and Kirok doesn't want to talk about it, but agrees to going to a doctor to get more information. Brittany wants this badly, and she says that she's not going to sacrifice it for anyone. All right, so I don't know. Um, do you think that Kirok should have got as offended as he did when Brittany was comparing the Brazilian butt lift to, uh, you know, a part of a transition procedure? <sighs> It, it probably not. I mean, he wasn't wrong in what he was thinking is that that's not the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's definitely not the same thing. <laughs> like, it's not like I don't like the way my butt looks and gender dysmorphia are. I mean, I, I can see why Brittany would think that they're related. And yes. I, I see what she was trying sure. to go for there. She's like, I also am unhappy with the way my body looks. Yeah. And it's more than the way my body looks that's a gender right. dysmorphia thing, right? So it, it it's definitely like that. And however, like to get as offended as kind of he he did is like she meant it as a I can relate to you type thing and not a right. well I'm going to say that my butt surgery is equally as important as your top surgery. Right. And like right. <laughs> yeah. And and so but I mean I think that's how he took it. And I, I definitely think uh, the, the biggest issue here is he sees everything that they do besides his gender confirmation surgeries that he wants to be just getting in the way of me fully transitioning, right? Right. Yeah. And and so everything is not. Oh, you want to have kids, but that. What about my? What about my surgery? Oh, you want to? You know, you have. We want to get a house. What about my surgery? Like you know, it. Not to say that. I mean. Not to say that that shouldn't be a priority for him. It's clearly an incredibly part, important part of sure. of, of his life. Um, but you know, it it, it, it is going to be hard to deal with or hard to plan a future with a person who really only has one thing that they care about for their future. Right, and I, I think like the impression I kind of got was that I feel like Q Rock is just coming off as like really self absorbed, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying that you know what he's going through is like you know something to be taken lightly or anything like that, but it's almost like his is the only struggle, right? And right. sure. Um, and I get that Britney's thing isn't exactly like it, but at the same time, like the way I see it is she was trying to be like, you're not alone. Like mm-hmm. I relate to you. Maybe not. It's not exactly the same, but I'm trying to relate to you and, you know, what you're feeling, not necessarily trying to relate to you with exactly what you're going through. I'm going through the same thing. I didn't sure. take it to mean it mm-hmm. like that. And I just feel like, 
You know, it does seem like Kirok has kind of a chip on his shoulder where he's just kind of like, my struggle is the hardest struggle. For sure. And everybody's yes. mm-hmm. struggle cannot compare and you cannot understand my struggle. Right. And and because of that, anything I say has to go. Yeah. Right? Right. And because of that, I get to make all the decisions. And because of that – we're going to worry about what I want first. And because of that, everybody else can just shut the fuck up. And because of that, you know, like, and so it it relates into him going through this thing of like Mm -hmm. anybody who is in any way, even tangentially, you know, adding to my struggle Mm -hmm. is dead. Like, fuck them. They're, they're dead to me. They're not, they're nothing in the world. Right. Yeah. And, and that's an incredibly hard thing to deal with when you're, you know, that person's partner and you don't necessarily see things the same way. But and, you know, that's the other thing, too, is how what what happens when you have a completely unrelated struggle, right? What right. happens when you have something that, that that's going on, you know, at work or something that's going on with you or as we're going to see from Brittany, what happens when it's a struggle to get pregnant, right? Yeah. And it's going to be like, well, that means nothing because my struggle is harder. Right. Right. And that, that, yeah. is that that's the support you're going to get from him. That's tough. Yeah. And that's definitely the impression I'm getting is that everything is kind of about him. And, you know, just even the way that he kind of treated Brittany and, you know, it's like the little things, right? Like even the way that, you know, he was so pissed about this situation that she's saying, I love you. Good luck. And he's just like, yeah, whatever, you know, in response. And, you know, just the way he's like, oh, finally, you're getting something right. You know, like kind of just like kneeling Mm -hmm. her in a way where it's just it's not kind and i just felt i did not like the way that he treated britney in this episode no and i guess it, it, it it's it's tough because for me from if i'm sitting in britney's perspective mm-hmm. i do kind of see i do see what it is she sees in him right in terms mm-hmm. of like like when he was in a good mood like right. the parole the parole meeting went good and they had that yeah. moment in the rain where he like picks her up and like goes to the top. That was really cute and really sweet. Oh, and yeah, like, so, so sweet. And so that I can see her being like, well, those are the moments you stay for. But if things aren't going exactly the way he wants them to go, yeah, he turns really, really mean. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll be interesting because it's just like they aren't really set up. I mean, and, and just forget being set up like – they're young, right? They've got a lot of challenges. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So there's going to be stress. There's going to be, you know, uncertainty in their relationship and not even having to do with their relationship, just like them living their lives. And I just it seems like Kirok is someone who's hard to be an equal partner with. Right. Well, and then I don't I don't know that he's wrong. Maybe it's more a little bit more self-awareness on his part um, where you know, the the maybe that's not the greatest idea to have kids because yeah, like you you hear people who have issues with their parents and have parents issues. A lot of times, you know, my parents were self absorbed. Is yeah. is is a pretty is a pretty common trigger for a lot of people. Yeah, definitely. All right. So p- speaking of people who are just actually kind of mean to each other for when they're not when they're upset, let's go to Andy and Brittany. Mm. So. Evidently, Andy and Brittany are still together, which is news from us since last episode. Yeah. Uh, There's no explanation or anything about it. They're just in a car together. 
um, and they are driving. We don't know where, but it seems like before too long, we figure out that they are driving to Andy's house, which, you know, was that whole big fight from last time. So Brittany oh, is- Oh, maybe sur- you missed a thing. Maybe, maybe you missed I a did. segment. Because I was going to say, uh, she came back and he was like, oh, you're back. And she was like, oh, yeah, I just had to work something out with Gracie. Like, and oh, I, she was yes. gone for a total of an hour. And then he I had- did a, not, I did not see that segment at yeah, all. Yeah, he had a conversation with her like, well, I didn't know if you were going to come back or not. And she was like, well, yeah, I just had to figure things out with her. And then they went along their merry way. I guess that makes sense because I was like, why was there no explanation? She's just in the car. I don't know where they're going. Okay, (laughs) so that's something. Completely (laughs) missed that. I don't know if I fast forwarded through it or what, but (laughs) anyway. Uh, So anyway, they're on their way to Andy's house. Brittany is super nervous about living with someone that she really hasn't spent all that much time with physically. And let's face it, the time she has spent with him, she's been kind of disgusted the whole time. Yeah. So she mentions that the way she says it feels is like doom which is always a good sign. So they get there and they're going to get some time for alone together finally because um, Andy's son is going to go out and like, well, he's just tired. He's just going to go sleep on the couch. So he just goes into the room and sleeps on the couch. So Andy shows her around the house and asks, asks Brittany what she thinks. And she gives, I think it's possibly the most apathetic, it's great, imagine yeah. I could ever imagine. So Andy thinks that this attitude might be more of a her thing. Like, her not knowing how to cope with being free. So he's really, really awkwardly just like standing around while she's there. So she's like sitting on the couch. And also it's weird. She's sitting on the couch just like staring at nothing. She's not reading. She's not looking at her phone. She's not looking at watching TV. She's just sitting on the couch. And Andy's like just sitting, standing in the doorway. And she's like, you're being weird. Like if you're going to sit, sit, this is uh, – yeah. So she feels very much out of her element because after prison, she is <laughs> very much not used to the silence that they're sitting in. So, but that doesn't mean they're not going to remain there silently sitting on their couches until Barry finally gets up from his nap and he comes in to tell him that he's going to dip to go to his friend's house and give them some time alone. But like, okay, great. And Andy gets up and gives him a hug and then they sit silently on the couches for longer. So eventually she has a headache and she asks for some water and – Maybe some painkillers that he doesn't know if he even has any. So um, who doesn't have – he just uh, – I'm sorry. So anyway, he's really having a hard time feeling – she is having a hard time feeling like this is actually her home and she's going to need Andy to be patient while she adjusts. So she kind of warns him that you know before when she talked, when they were had their relationship when she was in prison, she kind of – you know, gave her his her gave him her best hour or so when they were having the video chats. Like she could, you know, put on a show, be, be the person he wanted her to be for an hour. But now it's going to be the high points and you know the all of her, which is kind of letting her way of going to tell him that she wants to stay in the guest room tonight, like just in case. And he's just kind of like, uh, we don't really see his response at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I mean, I guess. I would say this. What are some of the what are some things Andy could have done to make her feel more comfortable? Because this is the most uncomfortable I think I've seen anybody be while sitting on a cushy couch. Yeah, um, I think just giving her her space. Really, mm-hmm. that's what it is. Because you know you've got environmental factors, but you also have that. And I'm kind of surprised he hasn't caught on that she just doesn't feel comfortable with him. Yeah. And at that point, just give her a little bit of space, kind of let her 
have the opportunity to come to you. I feel like sitting there staring at the wall, she would get bored enough that she would probably try find him to like mm-hmm. ask him something or start up a conversation, like give her that much time like by herself. And if that time doesn't come, then that is a perfect hint to you that this relationship should not be forced forward. And clearly sure. it's run its very short course. But I mean, you even said you were like surprised that these people were still together. And so it's kind of like, yeah, uh, maybe they shouldn't be. I mean, I would have to agree with that. It's like it's there's absolutely no chemistry between them at all, mm-hmm. like at all. Like and that's part of it. It's And I I. It's, I would say it's mostly on her part, but I mean, she just, just seems physically revolt, like, like disgusted by him. Like she just is, gets, she just, you could see her skin crawling when he's, when he's there. Right. Yeah. But I don't know what happened. Like I can't even pinpoint the moment that she has felt that. Actually, yes, I can. So remember when they jumped into the water, right? She uh actually seemed like she kind of was into him then. It Mm -hmm. was when he suggested that she leave Gracie and just go to Rome. That's when it was like the flip has been switched. You're not coming back from that. I mean, I think it was before. I think it was before that. I think I think that was him digging himself deeper in the hole. Yes. Of the place, the time it was already going. I think it was like, I think she was okay at the pool. And then, I mean, I think it was something we didn't see. I, I, I think it's just him. Maybe the first night together, the like him together. trying to cuddle yes. and she wasn't about yeah. it. And I, I think that's what it was. I think my guess is – and because remember the first time they were in the hotel, I think it was already not great when they were in the hotel room alone and Gracie came in and was freaking out, right? Yeah. Is I – my guess is is that that hotel room closed or wherever they got any time alone and he was like, now? And she was like, what? You're a stranger. Uh, right. <laughs> and so it's hard. It's hard to move past that if your first impression of someone is that you kind of feel like is a stranger and they're just like. Like, you know, coming on to you very strong, like physically yeah. coming on to you like this is the person that I said hi to and he tried to kiss me. And I'm like, no, we're no, I'm never going to find this person attractive. This is just a weird dude. Right. I know there's more to it than that because, you know, he's there. But I, I mean, I definitely think that. For some reason or another, he doesn't – he comes across differently in video chats than he does in, in person. Yeah. Um, and I think that tends to happen with – because he seems like a – he seems like a pretty tall dude. Um, mm-hmm. At least get, give the impression when he's standing around everybody else, he's much taller than them. It's is I think she just got put off the wrong foot of he's taller than I thought. He's bigger than I thought. His physical presence is more than I thought. I don't know. Maybe his breath stinks for all we know. Gee, you yeah. know? Yeah, uh, I honestly, though, I think it's how he has kind of viewed parenting. And I definitely feel mm-hmm. like that comments from his daughters, like set her down this path. Oh, for sure. Right? Yeah, yeah. That is another thing that definitely turned it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's talk about uh, Melissa and Louie. So Louie tells Melissa and Donna, who, by the way, is still waving around her wooden spoon, that he can apply for a transfer to New Jersey, but it may take up to 45 days. The parole officer said that it will increase his chances and go faster if he marries Melissa. And Melissa says, OK, it's settled then, as Donna is clearly irritated and over the whole thing and walks off. 
She calls after him, asking him if he's coming over for her cooking. And Louis tells her that they have a date night as Donna tells him to take the date and shove it up his ass. Louis is getting dressed up for his date with Melissa and Donna is hovering asking if she if he needs help getting dressed and he says he can figure it out himself he's managed to get himself dressed up until now but Melissa does need help getting her dress zipped up Louis helps out and they joke about this being like prom which then prompts Donna to talk about the girl Louis actually went to prom with he went to prom with Kelly who is a very smart pediatrician now as Donna says Melissa says that Kelly was the most popular girl in high school, and she was still a sophomore when Louie was a senior, so Melissa wasn't expecting to get in the running. Louie is kind of obsessed with dancing, so he's excited to take Melissa to do this dancing class. During the drive, Melissa tells Louie to get off his phone, and he says he was looking something up, and he offers for her to look through his phone, and she says not while she's driving. They get to the dance studio, and they have a 20-year-old dance instructor, Rebecca, who is very attractive. She is there to teach them the Roomba. The instructor sings Louie's praises while critiquing all of Melissa's moves, telling her she's going too fast and that you can't rush sexy. Melissa is annoyed with her. Louis says that he can tell Melissa is getting mad as they are dancing. Louis takes turns dancing with Rebecca and Melissa. Melissa is feeling like she is on the third wheel of their own date. She excuses herself to go to the bathroom as Rebecca continues to praise Louis, including a shirt and his natural ability to dance. Melissa thinks the instructor has a death wish. All right. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm sure Kelly was prompted, but it did seem kind of odd to me that she danced with Louis, but then kind of like. Then Louie was supposed to teach Melissa and she was just sitting there and critiquing. It seemed like an odd it, method of teaching both of them to dance. And yeah. it just made me wonder, like, uh, I don't know. Do you think that's how she always teaches or is this like she's really trying to uh, hold it up with Louie? Yeah, I mean, well, this made me think there were, this is some sort of – this is definitely set a, on some level a production setup, right? Sure. Be like, let's set these people up on a date. Where he's going to have to t- – he's going to – there's going to be one other woman that – the only person there that he's going to have to physically be in contact with doing mm. something kind of sexy. Go. Like that's – clearly that's a setup, right? Yeah. Because I feel like most of the time – I don't know. I feel like there's two instructors or the instructors know both parts. Right. right? Because you have to – you know, there's – there's you got to teach the one person how to lead and the other person how to, how to follow. They're not doing the exact same – thing when you're doing it when you're dancing and so you have to do both parts so i feel like most of the time you'd see them with it's like a pair of instructors like there's a guy and a girl right or at least the instructor doing both parts because i thought it was very weird like okay so you're just dancing with louie and melissa poor melissa has to try to figure it out and and yeah go over here and do it do the same thing and like don't don't instruct this person at all that that can't be but then critique her every two seconds yeah yeah that doesn't that doesn't say i mean it was just like let's get melissa like jealous at things so it's like yeah Um, well yeah i felt like this whole episode was let's get melissa jealous things which is why donna brought up the prom date which Uh (laughs) how are you getting jealous over something that happened like over 20 years ago who cares also i was literally thinking this right now as you were doing that she was like well you know i was just i was just an unpopular sophomore and like of course i had no chance of being the prom date and then i thought back when i was a sophomore which Uh meant there was people two years older than me as that were seniors I literally cannot remember any of their names. Like I, I cannot remember 
anybody who was two years like the who was the prom king, who was the homecoming queen. Yeah. You know, I I I literally there's some faces I vaguely remember, and I know like oh yeah, it was uh you know so and so's brother. He was in that year, right? But yeah. I, I cannot remember their names at all, and so it's so weird to me that this is like 20 years later being like oh yeah Kelly, I remember her. She was the super popular. Like what? Very confusing yeah. to me. I mean, I knew people because of sports. But like, and I knew the people that were, you know, like I ran with and stuff. But other than that, I played football. I was on the football (laughs) team with these people and I cannot remember their names. Like I can see their faces and I remember which ones, you know, really hit the shit out of me. But I can't remember (laughs) what their names are right now. Like, and I guess there was. okay. now that I'm thinking about it, I can remember. Yeah. for Because I also did track and the track team was much smaller and we did a lot more things. So there's maybe a. One or two people whose names I could come up with if I really thought about it. But it's like – so th- th- so this part where they keep feeding the 20 years ago in high school, I remember all the different names of all the different people he dated. is just so – Well, Melissa maybe because she might be obsessively looking at the yearbook all the time just to get a picture of Louis. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. They keep showing that Louis yearbook picture. I know she's still got it. And oh, hers. God. They keep showing hers. Yeah. It's not the most flattering picture of her. Oh no, it's it, oh, it's definitely a, and they keep showing the one from like sophomore year where it's like, right? You know, maybe it might even not even be the sophomore year. It might be the earlier one. It's your your right. pre glow up picture, like I mean, yeah, when you still are in high school but you still look like a child, and then yeah, yeah, because that's the wild thing about high school yearbooks is like you look at the ones from now and from four years ago. You get the people who are seniors and look at when they were freshmen, and they're like, what? These people are awkward <laughs> as hell. Like this is weird. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. All right. So um, ah, let's go with things that might get awkward. Let's also go to – let's go to Renika and Asante. Oh, gosh. Whew. So Renika is pretty excited to go check out uh, things with uh, KC the PI. So in the car, he tells her about the text message he got from Auntie about, you know, she was like, I've been 10 steps ahead and how she had used the place I was at, you know, in the past tense. Um, so he thinks he was trying to, he thinks he, she slipped up on that, but not really. So he doesn't answer the text because as Renika says, gangsters move in silence <laughs> and he's ready to get into his next check move ready. So it turns out at the end of the day, he thinks that she purposely used the word was to throw him off that she was still saying at the hotel she was at before. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so he's not buying it. So later on, uh, Renika's being pretty quiet as they're on the way to the hotel that they were on their way to before. And uh, he checks in with her. She says her emotions are just all over the place. She like she's mad about things, but she doesn't want what she suspects to be true to actually be true. So he finds the perfect parking spot that gives him a little bit of cover. But I don't know why he needs it because he immediately gets out of the car and walks to the hotel lobby. It's like, did you really need cover to do that? So he goes to the front of the desk and just starts talking to the guy at the hotel, which was one of the funniest exchanges I think I've seen on the show. Oh, gosh, yes. <laughs> because he just like – at first he's like, hey, I'm looking for Asante and whatever his last name is, right? He says, I'm looking for Asante. And the guy's like, yeah, I, I can't tell you who's staying at the hotel. And then um, I thought that was going to be it. It was just like, you know, oh <laughs> – Here's my PI skills. Is Asante here? Oh, I guess I'll never know. But we we come back. But while we come before we go back to that, we see Renika FaceTime with her daughters, which reminds us that they exist, right? Yeah. Even though Asante is taking up all her attention, which she acknowledges and says is 
you know, kind of another reason she's mad at Asante for taking up all of her uh, energy and time. So they ask about things. Renika's just like, things are complicated. And then we flash back to the hotel desk. And that's when we get the fun stuff because he yeah. basically explained the situation to the hotel desk guy. And it was like, so I know you can't tell me, but like, if there's a guy named Asante here, blink once. Yeah. <laughs> and then eventually he keeps doing this. And he's like, I'm going to start writing floors on a piece of paper. And when I get to the right floor, look it, look up. And so he does. And then eventually he keeps playing these weird games with it until the guy is like, all right, I can't tell if you, if there was an Asante here or not, but if there was, he'd be in room 1403. (laughs) He's like, got it. So Casey brings us back to Renika and asks if, you know, she wants to go up there alone. And she says she does. So he says, all right, well, if you're not back in a certain amount of time, I'll follow you up there. So she gets out of the car and walks angrily to the hotel. We see her get into the hotel, into the elevator, down the hall, knock on the door. And as soon as the door opens, the, it, we cut off and we never so – we don't see the end of it. All right. So I got to go through. This is just – the hotel guy is – I mean it's just one of those things that sometimes you think that people have skills that they don't have. You're like, PIs, how do they find out this stuff? What kind of research do they do? And then it's like – this was like a comedy sketch version of trying to get information out of somebody, oh, right? Oh, it was so ridiculous. I'm – Really surprised that he wanted to help, but I think, and I think for the most part, it would have been fine. But the end, where he's like, "If there was an Asante, <laughs> he would be in room four hundred three. At that point, I was like, "Oh my god, no! That guy is like so d- disclosing when he's not supposed to be." Yeah, that's not even that's that one is not even plausibly denied like that that, that one you right. given up you lost nothing you told him that was just you yeah. telling him like that's yes. not that's not that but um, why did you have to play all those games just to end it like that anyway why don't we just yeah, start why, with that if you and, were gonna do all this yeah. why all the games in between because i mean i think i get at the end of the day i think he was like and the thing is is he probably shouldn't have trusted the pi like it sounded yeah. like he was like yeah this is a shitty guy who's cheating on his girlfriend his fiance who yeah. moved across the country and I, I think that's what he explained to him and he was like yeah, he kind of deserves shit, but like, you don't know that that's true. You know, right. what I, mean? I could have just concocted a story from you. Like, it's it's wild. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, I feel like they've been kind of dragging this out because this must be over. Like after this confrontation, after this, I think so too. I think this confrontation is it. He's in there with Auntie, and he just is like, he's just gonna be like, calm down, calm down, calm down. And then she's going to leave without him and it's over. Like, I think that's it. Yeah. I mean, what did he really expect to play out? You can't just like leave your girlfriend hanging. Right. For days at a time. Not even like, oh, yeah, I like was out of cell phone service for a little bit. It's like, no, you're actively avoiding her for days on end. It's just, yeah, I am very confused because if it goes down, like I assume it's going to go down. Then what was the point of. Like, all right, so you took advantage of her, you stole her money, you skipped out on her as soon as you could to be with a woman you're actually with. At least when she texts, be like, yeah, sorry, like, I actually have another girlfriend and uh, I'm staying with her now. Like, this is over. Like, why? I don't, well, you know what I'm saying? Like, I can see why he wouldn't do that because, you know, he's trying to. 
It's the whole reason why people ghost people and then reappear, right? It's like mm. they know that there's a risk of they could lose this person forever, right? But they're also gambling on the fact that this person might be desperate enough to take them back. And by telling them, you know, exactly what's going on, that's like, you know, ending things. Whereas you're leaving it somewhat ambiguously so they could... <laughs> Either take it or leave it when the time comes that you come crawling back. That's just, I mean, okay. I, I believe that for short periods of time. Like if mm-hmm. you're doing the ghosting thing, if it's a, it, the ghosting early in a relationship, right? You have two right. two girls you're talking to, you're going to save you, make it work one girl. Yeah. But eh, it goes a week and then you go come back, right? Maybe you'll come back. This was him just being like, this is a person I was – I told I was moving in with. Yeah. Right? We were trying yeah. to – she believes we're building a life together. I'm just going to disappear for a few months and think I'm going to come back and she's going to be like, oh, hey, baby. Like, that's all fine. Like, Well, I don't know if he uh, – like, no, I don't – okay. Yes, that would be weird. But I don't know if he thinks that it's going to be a few months, right? He's just like, well, let me just – well, because I don't think he knows when the – date is that things fall apart with his girlfriend right he's just trying to have a backup plan essentially he's <sighs> just try not to burn the bridge on his backup plan yeah but i don't know i don't know to me it's like this is also this is being being dumped for somebody else right mm-hmm. to me maybe i'm weird i feel like i would be more likely to take them back if they're like oh yeah that person was the wrong person i'm sorry i made a huge mistake i should have picked are you the whole time not reasonable like, people you I, are that, making the assumption be, these are reasonable people i would be people. way more likely to get back with that person than the person who just disappeared for a, 3 weeks and didn't talk to me for 3 weeks and these was, are not worse. reasonable but, people there is the flaw in your premise <laughs> much worse and especially because like you know every time i have a serious relationship once a relationship gets serious like you don't go a day without talking to them that's weird yeah yeah like and if you do go a day you don't go two at least without a text right it's it's <laughs> right. wild it's yeah wild. yeah all right, so let's move on to some more wild things, and that's uh, Joy and Red. So Joy has flown to Red's release. She's on her way to see Red's mom. She says a quick prayer to ask for everything to go smoothly. Joy talks to Red's mom every day regarding Red or Sway, but she's nervous about the rest of the family, especially since they're not happy about the cheating incident. <laughs> Joy hopes that they can see how sorry she is and get their blessing. Red's mom, Esther, greets Joy and gives her a giant hug as Joy cries. Esther tells us that Red was really smart and graduated early, but after school, he started hanging around the wrong people. She got a call telling her that Red was arrested for armed robbery, and she was very surprised. Esther says that she's been through hell and back between Red's dad passing away when he was five and Red being in prison for 10 years. Esther knows that Red could have been picking up bad habits, Uh, He could be on drugs. He might not be ready to take on fatherhood. She just doesn't know him right now. Joy then meets Destiny, Red's sister. Joy bought Destiny's car for $7,000 so she can give it to Red when he gets out. Destiny then talks to Joy about the fact that she was messing around. Destiny tells Joy that she really hurt Red. And Joy says that it took her cheating to realize what a good man Red is. She then says it's not her fault that she cheated because he made her wait. Destiny then says there's no excuse for cheating. Joy then gets emotional, saying that 
all she can do now is prove she loves him by buying him materialistic things. Which Destiny says, you can't buy someone's love. Then Joy asks, what has Red done for her? And they pretty much put in the same effort. Destiny says that he's been locked up, so she's the one who has to be loyal. Joy says that she's done with this conversation because it's really between her and Red, who will be her husband and father to her child. Jen, or Joy then walks off saying she's going to see what mom is up to. And Destiny says, wait, you mean my mom? And Joy says it's her mom, too, as she cries and tells on Destiny to Esther. Joy cries that she wants to be accepted, even though she's only messed up once. I guess she's counting all that cheating once because Destiny walks in and says, you know, you cheated with three different men. Well, this is news to Esther, and she asks why Destiny never told her. And Destiny says because she wanted to see if Joy would admit it and tell Esther herself. Joy asks why she has to tell anyone. Esther then sides with Joy, saying that it's between her and Red, and they just need to stay out of it. Destiny wonders if her brother will cheat as revenge when he gets out. Okay, what is your overall thought of Joy at this point in time? (sighs) Joy is kind of infuriating because yeah. she's so close to being right sometimes. She's so close no. to getting it and then just completely veers in the wrong direction. Like, no, no, nope, that wasn't the lesson to learn. Nope, no, nope, uh-uh. that was that was not it. Um, she doesn't. She's not completely unlike um, what we talked about for Key Rock, right? Mm-hmm. All she can see is her struggle. All yeah. she can see is is her, you know, obstacles that were been in her way, the things uh-huh. that, you know, made things hard for her. That's literally all she can see. And and she and when everybody says, well, you know what, you your actions actually hurt someone else. She was like, yes, but what about my struggle? But what about right. how hard it was for me? Yeah. Right. And it's yeah, just, it was his fault, like his fault because he, you know, left me alone. It's like, what are you talking about? Yeah, I mean, and it's one thing to, and that's the that's the thing is the way she frames it. If it was like, you know what, I made a huge mistake. I was really upset with him because you know he he didn't hold up his end of the deal. It's not an excuse. It's still totally on me. But you know, that's kind of you know one of the things that led to it. That's one thing to say that right that this is, uh, you know, my reaction to that thing he did to me was incorrect. Versus like, well, I mean, I don't know what else you want him to do. You don't get out of prison. I'm going to need to sleep with three guys. Like that's the way yeah. – that's an obvious – you know, it's also – especially because it's not a particular, a particularly logical response. Right. Right? right? Like it's not like, sorry, I'm going to be a little – I'm going to get home later than I thought. And I was like, OK, I'm going to give somebody a blowjob then. It's like, what? Why does that work? Like where did that come from? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree. She was incredibly infuriating. It kind of started off with like her trying to blame Red for her cheating, which I thought was like the most absurd thing. Mm-hmm. Like what would sh- what could he have done like in her narrative, right? Where he- it's her his fault. What could he have done to make it so she didn't cheat? Well, he Like but- that's within his control. No, 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 because but she blamed well, she she blamed him for not getting his early release. She was like, mm. You fucked up when you were in prison. You're, you know, messing around. You didn't get you didn't have the good enough behavior to get out. And so now I have to wait for you for another two years. Like, and you know, 
she basically is like, mama needs something. Like, Emma's like, Emma's like, yeah, I, I couldn't wait two more years for that. Like, it's your fault that you had to wait two, two years. You knew I was expecting you to get home. Like, and that's to be upset with him for messing up his early release is valid. Mm-hmm. Right. But just like any other form of cheating, it's like no matter what your justification for it is. You need to break up before you sleep with other people. <laughs> right. Oh, absolutely. Like, and then how is she going to make it right by buying him, as she put it, materialistic things? It's like, what planet are you on right now? Right. Because I mean, that also means you don't feel, you still don't think very highly of him. Right? right. You're like, oh, yeah, I can just buy him off with things because he likes things. He's a simple person who just likes things. Right. It's like, yeah, like, I don't know. I, 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 I kind of did see her point, too, of she's like. It is a situational thing, but you know, the what is he doing for me is like valid. Like it's taking no effort on his part to be in this relationship. Like none at all. Like he's not he doesn't have any other options. He doesn't have anything he's holding together. All he has to do is say, I love you, babe, a lot, and talk on the phone. Right. And mm-hmm. so, like, I get where she's coming from, but I also get where the sister coming from. Well, there's nothing else for him to do. He can't do right. anything else. Yeah. Right. No, I was definitely Team Destiny. She was infuriating, annoying, childish. Sure. I'm going to go see what mom's doing and then basically tells on her. And it's just like, yeah, she's getting mad at me. And then like, of course, like, and we did get confirmation that it was three separate events for the cheating and not yes. one event that involved multiple guys. Oh, God. <laughs> and like, that is, and that, that kind, that, I don't know. That changes it for me. It being like, yeah, you made the decision. You didn't. You didn't say, "Oh, I made a mistake. That was a bad idea. I immediately regret this." You were like, "More, please. Let's go." (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Like, okay. Well, maybe. Like, clearly, no regrets, right? Like, I could see if you know you had cheated. You thought it would make you feel better. You thought it would provide whatever for you, and then afterwards, you're just like, "Oh my gosh, so much regret! I feel so much guilt! I feel so bad about this! Like, what kind of person am I to like do this?" But to do it two uh, two more times, it's well, like, eh, you well, clearly I mean, didn't I, have that guilt. I, I definitely feel like she did end up with that kind of regret, and it was when she found out she was pregnant. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. It's only it's only when it, it got in the way and it was like all of a sudden it was like, oh, well, now I need somebody. And I, I think I where the pieces come from. Like, oh, all of a sudden when you needed somebody to help you raise this kid, all of yeah. a sudden, oh, I feel so bad. Oh, I did wrong. Oh, thing. and you still, you know, and she wants absolution from mom. Right. From yeah. Esther. Despite the fact that Esther doesn't know the whole story. Right. Right. right? Like that's 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 it, too. Like you, she it, you're right. Childish is the right word. Like she just is very, very immature and, and childish about what about how she's dealing with things and what she expects in return for what she does. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like she's trying to kind of get on mom's good side because she's hoping that Esther will be, you know, advocating for her. You oh, know? 100%. Like, yeah. Transparent. Yeah. She wants when Red to get out. She wants Esther to be on her side. Oh, yeah, for sure. Which is so. always another childish thing. I'm going to tell you right now, you are not getting somebody's mom off of their side. <laughs> like, right. That's, that's no. Like in an argument between your, yeah, yeah, yeah. If my son and his his significant other are, are having a disagreement. 
she's going to be on her son's side. Like it's going right. to take a real stretch to get her to be on your side. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah. All right. So, um, last up for me is, Oh, uh, Chelsea and Mikey. So last night wasn't all that great for Chelsea and Mikey. They had gotten to the hotel room for the first night and you know, that's when she was trying to avoid, find a way, a way to avoid having sex with him. And she seems to have because she was, I'm going to put it in quotes, sick all night. <laughs> um, so he's hoping that she's starting to feel better. And, it, it, you know, because if she's not feeling any better, then it's going to be kind of distracting and on his mind when he meets with his PO today. So he says that oh, last night there were a couple of, as he describes them, intimate moments. But we know from her that we remember we already talked about it, that she just is like, I'm not having sex with him. So I think it's a I think they're trying to make it ambiguous whether or not she was actually sick or faking to be sick so she didn't yeah. have to have sex. Um, but, you know, she's, he still wants to take care of her. So he brings her up a cup of coffee and, you know, she tells him, oh, I'll take a shower and rally and we'll go to your PO thing and breakfast with your sisters. Then we get to an interview with her and she tells us that sometimes people think she's stubborn and fiery, but Mikey was really sweet, which is definitely a plus. So while she's in the shower, Mikey calls the parole officer to kind of see what the next steps are. So there's paperwork that needs to get signed. So he'll have to meet up with the officer in person uh, where he's nervous because he's going to have to get his uh, parole switched over to Ohio to be able to live with Chelsea because they're in Kentucky now. So then we skip right to the meeting where Chelsea is outside, like waiting in the car because she can't go in. Cameras can't go in. She's just nervous, smoking a cigarette in and out of the car. Um, And when he comes out, he seems pretty optimistic. So the deal is it's actually really similar, basically the same way, same thing happened with um, with Mikey. It's, it's a 45-day process. He has to stay in Kentucky for 30 days um, and then he has to get in touch with the, with the people in Ohio basically to get it transferred over. So that seems pretty good, good enough for both of them. There's like a plan. There's an end date. They seem excited. So now that all that's settled, it's time for breakfast with the sisters. So after they sit down, Mikey and Amanda, who was one of his sisters and eh, the sister of it, he was, had, was called like her party buddy, but there was, I don't know, they're, they're, let's put it this way. They're very close mm-hmm. to a private conversation. So she causes him about taking on more than he can handle. It's a big responsibility. You get out of prison, blah, blah, blah. But you also don't want to be bearing this relationship on your shoulders. So Amanda's afraid that, you know, Chelsea is this and this relationship is going to overwhelm him with too much responsibility too quickly. So back at the table, he tells his other sister, Courtney, that he's planning to leave in 45 days to live with Chelsea. And because he tells her because that's who he's living with in the meantime. So he thinks uh, that getting out of town, um, that the town, specifically the town that's always gotten him in trouble is probably a good idea, especially because Chelsea kind of has a job lined up for him when he gets up there. So he tells them they've even been talking marriage and he's given her a ring, but a promise ring, not an engagement Mm -hmm. ring. And so the one drawback is he's nervous to meet uh, – he's nervous to meet her heavily armed father, which Gosh. is an important meeting to get right because she is not going to agree to marry him without her father's approval. So when it's approval, it's going to have to come at a later date because they're like, oh, well, you're going to introduce him to your father? And Chelsea is like, oh, no. No, no, no. Not now. <laughs> later, 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 later. Um, so then we kind of that, – that's the end of it. So I guess what confuses me about this couple – is they're moving forward as if they're getting married, right? They're yeah. moving into each other yeah. together. They're living together. He's going to be raising her kids, but they're not ready to get married. I don't understand how that works. Yeah, I don't know. I think they're just 
they've never been married before, so to them it's much more serious. I and thought she ha- I thought she had been married before. No, she was very clear that she had never been married before because I, I I think they said it on this episode and I was kind of surprised because I was like, "Oh, well, you don't you have like three kids?" Yeah, like, I, you weren't I married to a single one of them. Yeah, I, I, my, yeah, because she talks about her abusive relationships and stuff. I, I, I could have sworn when she was talking to her dad and stuff, they mentioned her getting divorced, but evidently not. Like, yeah, you know, no, seasons I, ago I, when they were talking on the porch and stuff, like I would have sworn yeah. that involved the, you know, breakup, the breakups involved divorces. But I guess that definitely sounds familiar too. But I'm pretty sure they said in this episode that you know she had never been married. So I can kind of see how you know if you've never been married. How you and especially if Chelsea's been in these abusive relationships, I mean, it's certainly one of those things where you don't know going into it that this person is abusive. Like, how long does it take for you to like really come to the realization? Oh, wow, this person is abusive. I'm an abusive relationship. And so I can see Chelsea's hesitation because it's the way she makes it sound like she has never not dated someone who's abusive. So Mm -hmm. from that perspective, she's just kind of like, well, how long is it going to take for this to kind of like reveal itself as being safe or not safe? Well, yeah, yeah. that's that's doubly true because, I mean, abusers are like textbook abuse is Mm -hmm. to convince the person that it's not abuse. Right. Right. So that's why you hear you see all the time is that the last person to realize they're an abusive relationship is literally the person being abused. Yeah. Right. Because you make them think it's their fault. Right. That that. It, oh, if I had just done things differently, then they wouldn't have done that. You know, there's all kinds of manipulation tactics that go into being an abuser um, yeah. that it is hard to know whether you're whether you're being abused or not. But like. And so, yeah, I mean, that would make me. He- but that would, that's what, what's confusing to me is it certainly makes you hesitant to get married. Right. Yeah, totally. It would also make me really hesitant to move in. Yeah. Yeah. You're not wrong. And yeah, especially definitely. hesitant to bring them around my kids. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he does seem sweet. So, so far, I hope that at least the yeah. bare minimum, you know, like, and things can work out for just, you know, incompatibility reasons or for whatever, like, maybe not aligned values. So, I'm going to hope for them that, you know, if they end up not being together, that it's for other reasons and not because they're garbage people. Yeah, I mean, and so far they're they're definitely getting the hero edit um, yes. out of everybody. They seem yeah. sweet. They seem good for each other. That kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. But I think part of it is that like he's sweet, and she's someone who like I know she said that she's kind of fiery. And sometimes she gets that like uh, p- gives people that impression. I definitely got more of that impression the first time we saw her. This time sure. she definitely seems more subdued and mellow. I mean, like, I, I think that. I think that a lot of that comes from I, I think that she trusts him more than she trusts other people, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that comes from, that also comes from like I feel like we got a lot of the fiery things when he was talking about the strokes and she was like not the not the yeah. band when he had strokes, right? Is was like, what the hell is this bullshit? This is not he's making this shit up. This is not and then found out yeah. like, no, he was not actually making this up. This is actually right. what was happening and it was bad and it didn't it, and so like that thing where it's like you know, because if you hear the crazy wild story, you're and you've been have that pass with that, you're like, I don't believe you. This is bullshit. It doesn't add yeah. up. It doesn't make sense. And then when he did that, actually, he was telling the truth. And right. So I think there's less of a guard up for her that makes her seem as fiery. 
Yeah, definitely. And then also she seemed fiery because she was arguing with her dad. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The dad that – which is wild. The dad that is like, oh, yeah, he hates the idea that I'm dating somebody. I'm going to do what I want no matter what he says. Also, you better ask him to marry me before we we get engaged or I'm going to turn you right around and point you in his direction. And I was like, what? What? This seems seems at at crossroads here. Yeah. All right. Uh, so we didn't see Sheree and Anthony this time around. So That's out right. of the group we saw, who was your student of the week? I mean, I'm, I'll say Mikey. I hate to do that every week, but like everybody else was bad like, yeah. in all kinds of ways. Like I can't even spin them being good at all. <laughs> Maybe Brittany. I mean, from Key Rock yeah, and Brittany. I went with Brittany uh, mm-hmm. just because I just feel like – She's seems to be very sweet and giving to Key Rock, right? She uh-huh. seems to be really supportive. I mean, the only thing that was here that caused conflict that Brittany could even kind of claim as part of her own is her wanting answers about, you know, in vitro, which I think all the questions she asked were super fair. Mm-hmm. She asked him to basically like, okay, before you say no, at least can you educate yourself about it before you come to a like decision? Right. And, and, that, he, and that, costs, that doesn't cost any money. Like, right. yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I went with Brittany this time around. Okay. Okay. What about your dunce? Uh, this one we had plenty of choices for. Yes. Um, I went with Andy, though, um, just because it's it's a buildup and he gets it. He doesn't not get this at often, but his just intense need to double down on the thing that's bothering the other person mm-hmm. is – infuriating to me like it's like you're you're awkward she she, she has this all this freedom and your your presence around here is making her feel uncomfortable so you sit down on the couch and stare at the wall next to her like what why what oh my god you know just like everything she tells him makes her uncomfortable he's just like whoa okay and then proceeds to do it and it's like what what are you doing man yeah uh speaking of uh uncomfortable uh, uh and infuriating i went with joy yeah it's like oh my gosh talk about the most awkward like confrontation with you know a family member over crap you've done um just the childish behavior um her having the audacity to be like it's his fault i cheated on him like what did he like set you up? You know, like unless it was something like that, then maybe. But even then, a, even then, I mean, even if your significant other bought you a hooker and sent him right. to your room, you still yep. had to do something. Like, yeah, you still had to make action. the decision. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So that is just ridiculous to me that you know you could try to blame someone else for your cheating. Yeah, that's that's not good. You're right. Yeah. All right. Uh, what about your life lesson? All right. So my life lesson goes – it's directed at Chelsea and Mikey and there's like – I don't know that they're – if you're in this situation where they are, where they're, 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 they're sure that this person is the one they want to be with, right? They, they seem pretty sure about that. And you won't get married without your parents' approval. Like delaying introducing them isn't – it's probably only going to make your dad like this guy less. Right. Right? It's yeah, like there's no, no that, yeah. There's no point in doing that. And all of a sudden it's like, well, oh, so you've been with her for three years. Now you're finally talking to me. Like it's not gonna work. It's gonna backfire. Just if this is the person you want to be with, then and, and your parents are important to you, then you'd have to introduce them. 
Yeah. Uh, my life lessons actually uh, aimed at a couple of people. Really, I was thinking Andy and uh, Brittany, but I think also could apply to Chelsea and Mikey. Uh, don't move in with someone you don't know, especially yeah. if you're supposed to be sharing a bed. Like that is <sighs> yeah. absurd yeah, yeah, yeah. to me that you are going to move in with someone and like right off the bat share a bed when you don't know how you're going to feel about having. And now you're stuck. Because that's what I feel like Brittany mm-hmm. feels right now is she's stuck and it's like she's supposed to sleep in the same bed and she's trying to get out of that situation uh, by asking to stay in the guest room. But at the same time, it's like now you're raising alarms to Andy, right? You're not right. sleeping in the bed with him and I feel like we've seen other partners that have been like, oh, hey, I set this, I set this room up for you just in case yeah. it's weird and awkward. Like – like yeah. and so no hard feelings if that's where you want to stay that's where you'll stay um yeah and that that does make a lot of sense but yeah i never it is kind of it is pretty wild to just be like mm-hmm. yeah this is your bed now like you, you gotta you immediately get out of person you oh i first i'm seeing you in person live and you're like yeah we're sleeping in the same bed forever now it's like, yeah Whoa. oh god that's like, yeah that's weird yeah it's weird all right. Um, so uh, we're just getting started with this group. So we'll be back uh, same time again next week. Actually, I say we're still getting started, but I swear I just saw a half of a trailer for Life After Lockup. Oh, man. It's only like did you some... catch that? I, d- I did not. But obviously, I missed a bunch of stuff because I was, I well, was okay. aggressively fast forwarding well, through the commercials. Well, I was just going to say about my fast forwarding. I tried to rewind it to see and it was like not there. And I was mm. very confused, but I caught a glimpse of Sarah from Sarah and Sean, and I caught a glimpse of a uh, dumbass. What's his face? Uh, Chance. Oh, okay. Yeah, this show yeah. you're going to have to narrow it down quite significantly besides oh, right. dumbass. <laughs> yeah. I, well, he was definitely the dumbass of last season, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, for yeah. sure. Yep. So I don't know. I think we just got started, but who knows? Maybe it's not as long of a season as we think if they're already <sighs> kind of yeah. teasing life after lockup. I mean, I've, I I sometimes feel like this show does that as they go heavy on the love after lockup and then it's real short and then it's like 20 episodes of love life after lockup and you're like, this yeah. is less interesting. Ugh. But yeah. easier to TV to make, I guess. Right, right. Definitely. Okay. So we'll be back again next week then. All right. We'll talk to everybody okay. then. Okay. Bye. Okay, bye. Bye.